0: your host for Lacrosse Talk PM Rick Solo
1: All right welcome to kind of a Monday of Lacrosse Talk PM even though it's a Tuesday 608-785-7914 is the talking text line on the phone with me this hour is Lacrosse Education Association President otherwise known as the Teachers Union President Jesse Martinez how are you Jesse
0: I am doing well Rick thank you
1: Let's just let's just right off the bat Oh, oh, you know, also, Jesse is a Logan Middle School teacher. He teaches seventh grade science and math. So uh, maybe some of your kids have run through Jesse's classroom in the past. Uh, a little different, Little different. Uh, you're mixing it up this year, a little bit different than what you've been doing in the past. Uh, do, do you have a say in what you get to teach, or does it just get thrown at you? You're doing this this year.
0: Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm doing science and math this year. Um, typically... You stay in what you're teaching until there needs to be a change. And this year with the consolidation, there was a lot of changes that needed to be made. So this year I ended up with science and math instead of science and social studies.
1: Math seems like a, a different wrinkle. Like you just, they're throwing math at you. Do you have to do like math homework all year to figure out, okay, I got to teach these kids math. Now I have to learn math again.
0: Well, <laughs> well, there's homework that I'll have to do during the year, but there's definitely... There's a learning curve that I had to start preparing for over the summer, looking at the curriculum, thinking about how I need to change my own teaching to be able to teach math effectively.
1: Now, as a science teacher, you can kind of be cool and, you know, I like mix it up and have some fun experiments. As a math teacher, I feel like you got to put glasses on and be a little bit more boring. I don't know. How do you, math is a lot, like math does not allow you to have as much fun as science. Do you Have you figured that out yet? Day two of the uh. year?
0: <laughs> I disagree with you. Okay. I think math is going to be very, very fun this year. One of our big concepts that we're going to cover is integers, so positive and negative numbers. So there's a lot of like getting up, moving around, running around on a number line that we can do things like that that we'll be able to do to make math fun. All
1: right, I don't believe you, but that's fine. We can. We'll, <laughs> we'll see. Um, uh, On the show today, we're going to talk about the new grading system the LaCrosse School District is incorporating. We're going to talk about the operational referendum voters passed. uh, And then after that, we'll see what we get to because I have a lot of things on like teacher uh, tax deductions and teacher shortage. And um, you guys got, well, we can get this out of the way. Well, that's part of the, I think that's part of the operational referendum. You guys got raises this year um artificial intelligence is on my list but let's just real quick jesse you started school friday and then you had a three-day weekend seems kind of ludicrous to me does are the kids and the teachers just a little out of sorts on a friday when they know it's because a friday you you would have this feeling but like also like first day of school but also three-day weekend coming up it's really weird
0: um you you know, truly, I thought that was going to be kind of how it was going to be. I was like, oh, boy, we're in for a tree because it was just a full moon. Um, <laughs> and then we had the three-day weekend ahead of us, and we had the first day of school, and we had the merging of two schools coming together with Lincoln closing. And actually, it was really smooth. It was, it was very nice to, like, have a day show them around the school, get them into their schedule, get them knowing where they needed to go, and then giving them a little bit of a break so that they could regroup, and then they came back today ready to learn. So it was, I, I really liked it.
1: Yeah, and then it's a four-day 40 week, so everybody's in a little bit better spirits too, right? As a, exactly. On top exactly. of like everyone else that has uh, you know uh, nine-to-five, five-day-a-week jobs too. Um, all right, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. If you got a question for Jesse Martinez, shoot me a text. 608-785-7914. Uh, we'll be back in a minute.
0: Never ask why. All
1: right, welcome back to LaCrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the text line. Jesse Martinez, the Lacrosse Education Association president, otherwise easier known probably as the teachers union president. Logan Middle School, 7th grade teacher, uh, science and math. He was telling us the lie that math is going to be fun to teach, I'm sure, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, I always hear this thing, too, like, oh, I didn't, I don't, everything I learned about math and, you know, whatever, in school, I never use any of that. And, you know, like like I think of a lot of things, even at the 7th grade level, a lot of things that you teach. Are, are just like kind of working out the brain kind of like when we lift weights, we're working out muscles. It's kind of the same thing, right? Do you, do you ever dive into like the, the idea that you're teaching, not just not to that the, these kids will learn something and retain it for the rest of their lives, but they're actually just, it's just building, uh, it's just working out the brain.
0: Well, so it, there's two sides to that, right? Like there are things that they are going to learn that they're going to use in, your, in everyday life. They live in Wisconsin they're going to look at the TV, they're going to see a temperature that says negative 35 at some point in their life, and they're going to need to know what that means, right? That means it's really cold outside because it's negative. It's less than zero, and we know oh, that zero is already very cold. And and so there, there's some practical life skills like that, but then there's also what you're mentioning, Rick, which is in middle school especially is where we start to develop our critical thinking skills, and that's one of the big things that we focus on in middle school is how do you think critically? How do you solve problems? And how do you apply that to things that you do every single day? All
1: right. So um, I'm just moving on because you're right. <laughs> uh, you're right. Like uh, that's, that's it. And l- let's just get to uh, voters passed the operational referendum. I want to get to this stuff because if I not if I, if we sit here and talk about everything else, I'll, I'll run out of time. Um, and I, I think it was a six year, $30 million. I forgot to write it down. But the, the easiest thing to point to what voters passed the operational referendum is teachers got a 6% raise. I mean, that's kind of the easiest thing to point to. Uh, how did that was that a hard fought negotiation? Because last year when we were talking about this time or a little before this time, it was a fight for raises. You guys were fighting for one number and the school district came back with a much lower number.
0: Yeah. So last year at this time, we were working, number one, we were working with way too many buildings in our district, which was a problem. Um, And then we were also working with um, a state budget that put no new money into public education. Um, Now, we went back and forth with the district a lot about where they could find money to give staff inflationary wage increases so that they didn't Leave from the district, which we saw happen after last school year, or uh, after the, the two school years ago, or whenever it was that we had this hard-fought negotiation, mm-hmm. and then um, after that, we were able to, number one, make sure that our state budget came back a little more friendly this year, and number two, ensure that the community saw the need to provide funding to the school district, not just for for compensation for educators to make sure that they stayed in the classrooms, but also to continue just the services that we have for kids. Um, Had we not been able to pass this referendum, we would not have been able to continue a lot of the services we have, including things like our student success coaches who work with teachers and students to make sure that they're able to learn and fill in a lot of these pandemic gaps that we have going on. Um, And our Behavior supports that we have, and our mental health services that we're able to provide. So, a lot of those things were were things that we were able to continue doing because of this operating referendum.
1: Yeah, you would have, would you would you have lost those things, or would you have had to just kind of figure it out and figure a way to keep those kind of positions? Mental health seems yeah. you you kind of feels pretty important to have counselors in the school for for mental health, and then student coaches. I feel like they, you could probably just put more more of the load on teachers. But that, that wouldn't be great. But then, you know, like, okay, well, we're not going to have these student coaches. You guys got to do just more work now.
0: Well, I think that's a big part of it. And, and these resources that we were able to continue with, a lot of them would have been gone. Namely, the coaches would have probably been the first thing on the chopping block. Because we used that ESSER funding, right, that pandemic money that came from the federal government to the state. That was used to create a lot of these services. And then this operational referendum allowed us to continue a lot of those services that have been able to be proven to be good for our kids.
1: I'm going to try to, I'm going to kind of jump around here. Um, and I feel like maybe they're related. Um, last year talking to lacrosse school superintendent, Dr. Aaron Engel, uh, and, and even the last week when I, I think I talked to him last week, uh, truancy was a big, huge problem last year. Yeah. Um, I, obviously, that affects you guys a lot. Is there anything that the teachers, the teachers' union, can do to kind of—I don't know—the kids aren't if the kids aren't coming to school. I don't know what you do, but that's that's important.
0: So one of the things that our our staff at Logan Middle is doing is making family outreach a priority. So making sure that teachers are connecting with all of their families by the end of the first month of school, which it's a heavy lift. Family contact is a lot of work. Typically, that's work that has to be done um, during our prep period, right? Or sometimes it has to be done after school. But making that family contact and creating a positive relationship between family and school is really important. But also, with this operating referendum, we were able to see at the middle school level, now that both middle schools have significantly more students than they had last year, we were able to retain three administrators at each building so that there's a there's a building administrator who's dedicated to student attendance. So, one of their main job duties is making sure kids are coming to school and they're staying at school. And so, that person is going to be kind of the point leading our staff on how to make sure kids are coming to school. I mean, which is something that we did not have last year.
1: And I'll just throw this number I have uh, four years ago, truancy was was uh twenty five percent. Last year it was forty nine percent and that means uh where kids missed more than eighteen days. So uh it doubled yeah. to, to half the kids. Forty nine percent. That seems crazy.
0: It it does until you work in a school for a year and you see there's kids on your roster who you just you don't see and you try and reach out to families and we we don't know what our families have going on, right? We don't know what they're dealing with, what they've got going on day in and day out. And so we have to find a way to create those relationships so that we can support one another so that families can support teachers in in educating their children and so that educators, whether it be the administrators, the teachers, the teacher's assistants, whoever it might be, can support those families with whatever needs they might have. That's the essence of what a true community public school should look
1: like. Do you think a lot of this comes from home learning? I, I would like kids got used to school at home, and and a lot of these truancies are like kids just want to continue to to learn at home, even though that's not an option. You know, it, it can be an option, but it isn't an option for these kids. Um, I don't know. It just seems like oh, you know, it was easier when I could just do this at home, so I'm just not going to go to school. But there is no I- like. <laughs> You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I, I don't have the data that uh, about that issue. If, if I were to make an educated guess as someone who works in a school every single day, I would say that a lot of what we're seeing in terms of truancy is probably related to some sort of trauma that came from the pandemic, right? Whether that is I had to stay home for a year and a half and... In staying home, I now feel really anxious having to go out in public, and so it's really hard for me to get out of bed and go to a place that's going to be very crowded, Mm -hmm. or maybe it's I didn't really go on my Zoom, and now I'm, like, way far behind academically, and it stresses me out to go to school, so I'm not going to go. Like, those are all things that I have heard from students that it wouldn't surprise me that it's contributing now, because as you get further along, the further behind you fall, the less likely you are to come back to school. So as we see those percentages compounding, that's what seems to make sense to me in my brain.
1: I'm just brainstorming here, but I I would imagine you guys have to get creative in trying to get those kids that aren't showing up to show up, maybe figure out if they, like, hopefully they have friends or maybe they need to make friends, and then those friends could, if they're walking to school or if they're, you know, on their way to school on the bus, text that other friend, hey, I'm on the bus. Are you, are you, are you ready? It's about to pick you up. I don't know. Just kind of weird creative ways to kind of encourage them or to make them feel welcome. Right.
0: Yeah. Those are certainly things that we our our administrators have tried. Um, I think there eventually has to be something that we can do to highlight why, because, Yes, getting their friends to reach out to them is going to be one way that it could be pretty effective to get kids to school. The other thing is we just need to make them see the benefit, and why do you need to be at school? Because you need to be at school. You need to learn how to socialize with other people. You need to learn how to think critically, and it's important for you to be in this space because we value who you are as a person in our school, and you're a big part of that community. That's what we need to get out to our kids, and we need to help them
1: believe. Yeah. There's also a benefit to having, Hey, there's a benefit to you for us, for you being here. So please, uh, please come like, it's not all on us to you. It's we need your input as well. That's kind of interesting. Correct.
0: Yep. Correct.
1: Um, okay. Back to raises. We don't know how to
0: make this a better place for you without you here.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, back to, back to raises. Um, During the pandemic, I don't know if this would have been like 2020 or 2021, you guys didn't take, teachers union didn't get, didn't take a raise, right? Or didn't get a raise?
0: Um, So during, I believe it was during that 2019, 2020 school year when we were negotiating for the following year, um, we had kind of a a base understanding with the district where they had budgeted a certain amount of money for a, um, salary increase that they were they no longer had in their budget because they had to spend so much money getting resources for distance mm-hmm. because at that point we had no no extra federal funding had come through at that point point. and so um, we didn't we didn't fight it as hard I mean I wasn't president at that time and I wasn't on the negotiating team at that time but the way that I understand it was that we were not um, we didn't, they imposed it on us. We did not ratify that agreement, but we also understood why that had to happen because there were some really extenuating circumstances and we took a zero and I believe it was a 2019-2020 school year.
1: Yeah. yeah. So when you get a 6% raise this year, but you didn't get the raise that you wanted last year, do you, is it always in the back of your head like, hey, we need to make up for that one year where we kind of sacrificed and didn't put up a fight about it, we kind of understood. I don't know. I I don't know how long that lingers. I would say it probably still lingers.
0: I mean, I think there's a sense that every—I don't think. I know that there is a sense that every single year that we don't get the full consumer price index increase that we are able to bargain for, which is essentially the percentage of inflation, Every year that we don't get that full percentage, we, our wages fall behind, and we lose spending power within our paychecks. And so for the last three, two or three years now, we have not gotten that full CPIU. Last year was a 4.7%, and we got a 2. This year was an 8%, and we got a 6. Now, we were able to negotiate some other things that helped. We negotiated a new salary schedule and we were able to negotiate a step, which which got us to a six percent um, for most folks. But yeah, every year that we don't get that full CPIU increase, our educators are falling behind in their spending power.
1: Well, you could cut all those counselors and those student coaches, get rid of those salaries, and you could add a you know a couple pennies to your.
0: Well, that is that is always the discussion. Is there's only so much money that a school district has and that a school district receives, and so we got to find ways to get creative with how we're making sure that we're compensating our educators fairly.
1: Um, one other thing, not not operational referendum. We're talking to Jesse Martinez, the Lacrosse Education Association president and Logan Middle School teacher. Um, but the budget itself, uh, the the big news out of the budget. This is you know this is month month ago or more. Um, was Tony Evers using his veto pen to add school funding of $325 per pupil, which lasts for the next 400 years or something like that, which was kind of like like a great take. But from talking to Engel, that $325 is still, even even though Republicans didn't like what Evers did there, the, the funding that they put in the budget there, that $325 per pupil per year, that still doesn't quite cut it. Do you guys look at those numbers and say the, see the same thing?
0: Um, so first and foremost, I think it's important to understand that different districts get different amounts of that 325 right? Because they decide how to disperse state aid based on this convoluted funding formula, right? And so there are places that are going to come out of this budget that will actually get less money in the coming year than they got this past year. Um, and then there's places like La Crosse where we are getting pretty much that full $325 per pupil, and I, I think what I, and now I didn't. I'm going to be fully honest. I didn't listen to your previous, your most recent episode with Dr. Engel. <laughs> yeah. However, what I would assume he is talking about is that this $325 per student per year, um, it's kind of like a band aid. It, it doesn't necessarily keep up with the rate of inflation, and it it affects different districts differently. And so we need to find a way to make sure that districts are truly getting the resources they need, not only to compensate their educators so that you don't see this big flight of educators out of certain districts, um, but also to to make sure that we're able to provide services for kids that they need so that we can have after-school programs, we can continue sports teams, we can have drama clubs where we can actually pay the people that are doing that work for those programs. 608-785-7914
1: 608-785-7914 is the text line. Jesse Martinez is going to hang out for the rest of the hour here, but we got to take a break. We'll be back. All right. Welcome back to lacrosse talk PM. I'm Rick Solomon I'm on the phone with me this hour. Lacrosse teachers union president, Jesse Martinez Logan middle school, seventh grade science and math teacher as well. And, uh, I wanted, we, we just got done talking about teachers raises and working that into the operational referendum that voters passed, uh, it's probably a sigh of relief when that happened, huh, Jesse?
0: You know, we worked really hard this year in the past school year during the 2022-2023 school year. We worked really hard to, to create a working relationship with district administration because for a while there, I think, um, there there was a little bit of distrust on both sides of that. And we worked really hard last year, very intentionally with the district to rebuild that relationship. And I think that went a long way in ensuring we had a more successful discussion with the district regarding compensation this past year.
1: Do you like the the, the fact that over the past 13-ish years, you've had to negotiate a teacher contract every year? Or would it be nice to have one that's multiple years long where you don't have to figure it out? Like you just work in... What it, I don't know. It seems like a good thing, but like that wasn't always the case. I think Act Ten. You told me off the air was when those those contracts had to get reworked every year. Then over the past couple of years, it seems like a good thing.
0: I think um, it, to be completely transparent, right? I was not teaching pre Act Ten. Yep. So I am not intimately familiar with how that collective bargaining process worked. I do know that there were different teams that negotiated wages versus benefits versus working conditions versus class size, so on and so forth, right? Um, and I don't—I I honestly don't know if contracts were longer than a year. I believe their agreements and the contracts that they signed were multiple years, um, but I don't know how long they were. And, and in terms of negotiating every single year, I don't know anything different. Yeah. And so I don't know better or worse. I just know what we have. And I know that the way that we negotiate and and the number that we use can be pretty arbitrary, and it's based on what the federal government is identifying as the rate of inflation. And sometimes the number that they give us is way higher than what's happening in our state, and sometimes the number they give us is way lower than what's happening in our state. Last year, when it was a 4.7% that we were bargaining on, it was actually higher in Lacrosse at that time than than what we were bargaining on, but we could only bargain up to that 4.7%. And so to answer your question about whether it would be good or bad to negotiate in multiple years, I don't know whether it would be good or bad because it could, like you said, when the CPIU that we're negotiating on is really, really high like it was this year, it gives us leverage to be able to ask for a higher inflationary increase to our wages Right. Um, but if there's a bad state budget out there or you're in a district experiencing declining enrollment or you're in a district that maybe has some other sort of financial issue, um, it's not going to matter at the end of the day because the district's not going to be in a position to be able to offer you a whole lot of anything anyway
1: so uh, what are you what are you doing right now because you're are you putting dishes away because you're walking away from the phone and then towards it the, i'm just joking <laughs> oh
0: i was like i don't know i'm just i'm sitting in a chair oh okay it's it
1: sounded like it sounded like a, the the speaker would be you, your phone speaker would be somewhere and then you're kind of like 10 feet away from it and then you're closer but anyway i just i'd be funny if you were like yeah i'm uh you know i'm like picking up the dog toys or something like that
0: <laughs> um, all right. No, I wish I was doing something exciting. All right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, that's not exciting at all. The, okay. So this this next topic I want to talk about. There's a new grading system, and I. I want to say at the high school level, you told me before there, I think you implemented it elsewhere before this, but the high school is going to take it on. This is something we can all relate to. I think anyone that's gone through any school system, so uh, we all can relate to A, B, C, D, and F. I, I, I saw an article about why there is no E, but I completely forgot why there why there isn't anymore. I think it looked too much like something else or it didn't feel as bad as an F feels. Um, <laughs> but, but we're kind of doing away with A, B, C, D, F and, and doing something new in the lacrosse School District.
0: Um, So, there's a lot of different facets to this, right? And it's new this year, and so it can feel scary to families. And it, quite frankly, feels a little scary to educators because it's different than what we've done in the past. First and foremost, what we're moving to is called standards-based learning and standards-based grading. So, we're looking at what the state standards are that we use within our district, and we're assessing students based on those standards, and that is how they're going to get their grade. Now, when they get their report card, it's going to look kind of like what their elementary school report cards look like because this is how the elementary schools are already assessing our kids. They are going to get an overall grade for the class, okay? So for science class, I might give a kid a B, okay? And it'll say that on the report card. And then the standards will be listed on their report cards, and it'll show where they are proficient. Where they are, so proficient means you're meeting every expectation that you're supposed to be meeting. That would be an A. It would show where they're proficient. It would show where they're approaching proficient, which is kind of where you'd run into that B area where they maybe are almost there, but they're making really minor mistakes in certain things, and so they're kind of brought down to that B. And then in places where they're like what we're calling not yet, where they, they are making pretty major omissions in their, um, in their, their work, whether regardless of what that is. So in life science, for example, one of the things we work really hard on is uh, planning and carrying out investigations. Maybe they are doing a really, really good job of creating a plan but they're not doing a great job of that final piece of it, which is reflecting on their data. And so that might bring them down. Maybe they're not doing that at all, so that brings them down to a not yet. Um, And so that sounds really convoluted and different, but it's going to be laid out on their report card really nicely to show, okay, this kid got a B in this class because they're proficient, proficient in these two standards. But the third standard we worked on, they were they were not yet there, and they've got some major omissions. So now they've they've gone from an A to a B.
1: Can I um, can I interject here? It, this might not be a great example, but is it? So I always go to sports because that's how I have started doing journalism. And uh-huh. in baseball, a baseball player could be referred to as a five tool player, which means he's it, it, all the tools would be like defense, offense, hitting, fielding, yep. and there's a fifth one. I don't know what fifth one is, but. Um so so is the grading system kind of tiered off so this kid is good at this no there's a there's five maybe maybe not five i don't know however many there are in each subject this seems like a burden a lot a big burden on teachers so that like he's good at learning on the fly but not i don't i, I can't i don't have any examples cuz i can't i don't have a great uh so, grasp of it
0: That's a great that's a great question um, it, it is. It feels like a lot more work right now because it's a huge shift in like what we've been trained to do. But the big benefit to this is that it takes out this whole idea that if because we want to value the learning that students are doing.
1: Yeah, I have a and better. So, I have a better so example. So matter, I have a better no example. Matter when
0: that learning happens, we want to honor that learning, and so. It, it separates this ability to turn in assignments from the ability to actually do the thing that they're supposed to be doing on the assignment and giving educators flexibility in how their kids can show that learning, right? I'm teaching 7th grade math. There's two other people teaching 7th grade math. We might be working on the same content, but I might give a different assessment and different opportunities for kids to show their learning than one of my colleagues does. And then we can compare what works better and we can improve our practice and allow the kids to continue to show their learning in different ways so that they can show that they know what they're supposed to know.
1: Is, is this a better, well, is this an example? Like a, you get, you have all your kids and, and a couple of them, you give them tests or assignments and they're just failing miserably right at the beginning because they're not grasping whatever concept you're trying to teach them because for whatever reason, right? Like they just, it's new to them. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is new to them at some point. Right. Uh, but like, like into the, into the school year, a little bit better, they finally have figured it out. And then all their, all those scores excel because they figured out the the base, the baseline, like here's the thing. And exactly. then we're going to build upon that. Um, so instead of punishing the kids for just not grasping something early, they could have been maybe they didn't do the homework but also they they maybe they just didn't grasp it because they weren't thinking right. about it the way that you you know like anyone else would think about it they have to do these these things a little bit differently um so they're right. not punished for you know like okay you got 100% on everything else beyond that but those first two tests you had were were like near zero so you're going to get a c uh but that that standard based grading wouldn't do that to a kid now is that right um not
0: as much not as much because it it's it's about showing that you know how to do the thing we need you to know how to do. Now, if, if they're consistently showing that they don't know how to do those things, then there's mechanisms that we can put in place called intervention that allow us to help the kids get to where they need to go, and it allows us to see a little bit more easily what specific things the kids are struggling with. Not necessarily, oh, this kid is struggling turning in homework, but, oh, this kid is really struggling with adding negative numbers. So now I need to find a way to get this kid help with adding negative numbers together.
1: Um, how, how tough is this to relay to parents? I mean, they're still getting the ABCD, I guess. So is it not tough at all? Or is this more of a struggle amongst students, amongst teachers, or amongst parents to kind of convey this new standards based learning?
0: I think this year is going to be hard for all of us. Um, it's going to, because it's the first year of it. And the first year of anything can always be really overwhelming and stressful. And I think that's going to be kind of how it's going to go this year. And what we need to do as, from the educator side of things, is we need to do the work ourselves to make sure we understand how this system is working. But then we also need to do the work of communicating. And I hope every single parent will come to conferences this year because that's where we're going to talk the most about this is through our Uh, family and teacher conferences, to talk about this is how we are grading, this is what the grades mean, and this is what it looks like both in, like, when you're checking your child's grades and what it's going to look like on your report card at the end of the quarter. Um, And so it's going to be a lot more of that collaboration with families. And, I mean, I've been lucky in my nine years. I've had nothing but fantastic relationships with my families. And, and I know that that's going to continue this year and we're going to work through it. And I know there'll be times where we're all very frustrated with the grading system, but we'll, we'll lean on each other and we'll figure it out together.
1: Does this, does this new grading system make it, I don't know, obviously some kids are just not going to do the work. Does this like leave them an excuse to allow them to pass easier? You know, like, is there, is there a loophole here for kids that are just not doing the work?
0: Not particularly, no, because at the end of the day, it's about showing your teacher that you know how to do the things that you're supposed to know how to do. And whether you are showing that through a homework assignment, whether you're doing it through a test or a project or whatever it might be, you still have to do something to be able to get the grade, to show that you know how to do the thing. So just sitting there and doing nothing is never going to be something that actually gets you the grade on an assignment.
1: Are we still going to have the 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 tests that are A B C D E none of the above or E all the above F none of the above G A and B <laughs> you know like uh, or or do the tests there, in,
0: traditional uh, multiple choice tests y-
1: Yeah, are We th- are we doing away with stuff like that to make to make it more thinking based or is it still Are Not we still doing that stuff I, No. Okay.
0: I, I think that there's the number one. I think a lot of that is going to depend on the content that you teach. Yeah. In some content, right, like math, where there's one right answer a lot of the time, some of that stuff is going to have to stay. However, in other things like science, like social studies, like English language arts, there's so many different ways where you can show you know how to plan and carry out an investigation, how you know, that you know how to analyze data. And so maybe there won't be as much A, B, C, D tests as much as there is, hey, here's the content we've been learning. You need to apply that by, by carrying out an investigation and then analyzing your data and explaining that to me, right? So in some places, those traditional forms of assessment, like tests, will still apply. And in some places, they won't, even within that same context. Even within science, maybe there are some times where I just need to know if you know a vocabulary word. So we're going to do a quick matching quiz, right. and that's going to show me whether you know your vocabulary or not.
1: Yeah, once it gets to both A and C or both D and E, that, <laughs> it's so annoying. I mean, even in college, I was getting those tests. I was like, can I can I do something that just shows that I learned this stuff instead of like maybe guessing? Because all of these answers seem kind of right. You're trying to trick me. Um all right, last last thing before I let you go. Um politics, obviously we talk politics a lot on the show and n- not you and I, but in general I talk politics a lot on the show. Um do you do you see a lot of politics within uh w- within like I don't know, teachers meetings or even uh you know, school board meetings. If you if you watch enough TV, you'll see a lot of a lot of a certain party going at what seems like going after teachers in a, in a way that's like kind of denouncing them and making them look bad, or it just seems like a kind of a crazy stance to take with one party seemingly going after public education.
0: You know, I, I think there's a couple parts of, to your question here, Rick. And so the first thing I'm going to tell you is, I I have been in the classroom. This is my ninth year in the classroom, and I have never once walked through the hallways and heard my colleagues talking to kids about who they have to vote for when they vote. Um, so that I do not hear happening.
1: Well, that's seventh, now, that's seventh grade, so it would be weird. But no, I'm just kidding.
0: Well, true, <laughs> true. But at every level, I don't hear any of that. And, and, I, and I know that my colleagues are professional about that. We, we keep our own thoughts and biases out of the classroom to the best of our abilities. However, um, when you talk about teacher meetings, is there politics that's discussed? I mean, to some extent, there has to be, because our livelihood is tied to an elected school board. Mm-hmm. Our funding is tied to state and federal government. And so we do have to pay attention to who, is, who, are, who are in those roles so that we can ensure that we're doing the best we can to support not only our public schools, but the kids that come into those buildings every single day. And the last part of your question, I think, is about attacks on teachers. And, and I agree with you. I do see a lot of attacks on teachers talking about how teachers are um, too woke or whatever that might be, um, whatever the insult of the day is. And I think that that doesn't just attack teachers. I think it truly attacks the entire system of public education because it implies that the, what, when we hear people say negative things about teachers or negative things about public schools, it implies that the kids that are inside of those buildings don't matter. And it implies that we should be looking for other – we should be looking at the public schools as if they're already obsolete, which they are not. If you walk through a public school building, the the – variety of different activities and exciting things you see teachers doing every single day with kids, and the amount of laughter that you're going to hear coming from classrooms is going to be something that you probably wouldn't expect to hear in a a school building because things, the way that we do things now is so different than when we were in school ourselves. And so I think it's really important that we continue to find ways to support the public education system. Is there a lot that needs to be fixed? Absolutely. Absolutely, but the way to fix it is not to kill the system. The way to fix it is to actually find a way to fund the system, and then use that funding to make big, broad changes to support our kids.
1: Yeah, I always, I always think it's funny when <laughs> "woke" is a fun term to just use because it's just it's abused at this point. But uh, as if all teachers in public schools are are basically democrats i want to just say like like it's probably that's probably not the case
0: no it's I, i know it's not the case i even within our our union whether it's local state or national you have people from all different walks of life who teach kids and that might mean they're a republican that might mean they're a libertarian that might mean that they're an independent or a democrat they're, they're from all different walks of life and have all different systems of belief. But the one thing that every single teacher can unite around and th- that we do unite around every single day is we want to do what's best for our kids. And that's why we're in that classroom.
1: That's the cross Education Association president and Logan Middle School 7th grade science and math teacher Jesse Martinez, otherwise the teachers union president. You call him that too, or the czar of the teachers union. Uh, appreciate you, man. <laughs> appreciate you coming on and spending the hour with us. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks, Rick. All right, got to take uh, one quick break. We'll be back. All right, that's going to wrap it up for um, kind of a Monday of the Crosstalk PN. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I guess I can get a text here that says there's an accident on Highway 16 by the veterinarian's cl- clinic. Uh, that text came in about six minutes ago. So I am imagine uh, kind of like by the uh, – Pizza Corral, I think, and that that new quick trip daycare right around there, uh, accident accident, southbound on Highway 16. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to talk to Heather drivel the executive director of the Cooley Region Humane Society. We're going to talk about that group, obviously, and also rounds for rescues coming up this weekend. If you want to participate, check out AroundRiverCity.com. See you then.